Hello, I'm Greg Howard Jr., and this is Don't Make This Weird, the podcast. Each week, I invite a special guest to talk about their life, news, politics, and anything else that may come up. Head over to the Patreon, where you'll get the random questions game, a secret from my guest. You get some merch for being a loyal patron, and you get this uh, whole episode uncut and without this bit about joining the Patreon. So head over to patreon.com forward slash springbreak83 productions to join now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Make This Weird. Um, a little bit of housekeeping before we get this episode started. Um, this podcast is in the top 300 news commentary podcasts in the U.S. And it is also in the top 100 news commentary podcasts in the U.K. So thank you to everybody out there all over the world who's listening to this. Um, I love you. No, really, I do. I love you. Um, so on to today's episode. Uh, it's, it's, always, it's always a fantastic feeling uh, when a guest wants to return to the show and talk to me some more. Um, this week, it is my esteemed honor and privilege to welcome back not just one, but two previous guests. Um, you may remember them from series one when I talked to couples who had found love on Twitter. Please welcome back to the show, Elian and Myron. Hi, gang. Hi, everyone. Before we move on, Greg, congratulations. That's really awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And actually, before we move on, you, ma'am, have the record for appearing on the most of my shows in a single week. Congratulations. Yes. Elian is on this show today, and then uh, on Thursday, she will be on the This Is Not an Endorsement year-end special, The People Who Ruled in 2021, so definitely tune into that. It's going to be such a blast. That's a remarkable coincidence. Elian is the most frequent person in my dreams, so... (laughs) (laughs) What, what those of you at home can't see is um, Elian pulled a gun on Myron and made him say that. <laughs> so. We're not even in the same state. <laughs> so speaking of that, um, let's update the listeners at home. How's, how's things? Oh my gosh, babe, you want to go first? He's like, no, he does not want to go first. <laughs> He's like, no, you know what? I can go first. Yeah, um, things are uh, fabulous, and uh, our love is growing. Um, we are seeing each other in a couple of days. Uh, I think we probably have seen each other maybe at least once, but maybe twice since we last visited with you. And we were in—I visited Elian in New York, and uh, she ran me ragged all around the town because New Yorkers only walk, apparently. And we we speed walk. New York and And New York uh, gifted us the very first Myron meme. Um, So (laughs) if if you follow any of us on Twitter, you've seen it. Uh, If not, I'll see if I can track it down. Um, 
So we so we are planning. We've been planning our first Christmas together, and then uh, she will be coming west, and we'll be doing the uh, like many people visiting a couple different uh, friends and family, and we just have a, a bunch of stuff. But we have carved out time where it's just no one but us, the two of us, and we're going to just do our thing. Yes, I told Myron, be prepared. I have many date night outfits, even if our date is like in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine there's there's lots for you to do Christmas-wise in California. Yeah, you know, um, I've been telling her it's been a little cold here, but we're still going to um, do a little bit in Napa. And we're, we're meeting some relatives for a gumbo party. Um, and then we're probably going to revisit one of our favorite restaurants. Well, uh, one of our other favorite restaurants that we had our first date night on. And, um, and then, um, yeah, a couple other things. We're going to meet some friends and yeah, have a little fun. So I have to ask, what's, um, what, is, what is California cold? Well, you know, it's interesting. I would, it's funny you ask that because LA was surprised because, um, and where I'm located between Sacramento and the Bay Area, uh, is in Sacramento, it's been dipping down to the 30s overnight. Like it's been very cold. That's like cold anywhere. But generally, our daytimes were still in the 60s, and that's still, you know, that's, still cold. <laughs> that's cold to us. That is not cold i'm gonna be like day, like i'm hot oh my god i can't take these layers off so i'm planning on layers lots of layers sweaters leggings boots that kind of thing but weirdly enough it's been a little bit warmer in new york even than sacramento lately i mean it was just only last night or the night before that it dipped into the 30s over here it's been 50s during the day like Climate change, y'all. This is happening. Yeah, I was gonna say down here. Um, I I wore shorts for two days. That's like it was like sixty five for two days. But then I love how when it's sixty five for you, when it's sixty five for you, you wear shorts, and when it's sixty five for Myron, (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) chilly. That's right. I get a thick hoodie. But yeah, I'm I'm super excited. You know, it's been a lot of, um, you know, we're long distance, so we have to get very creative. We talk a lot on the phone. <laughs> we have date nights on the phone or on FaceTime, and you know, we watch movie marathons together. You know, we try to do all the all the things that you'd want to do with your cup. You know, with your partner. Um. So we, we really do, we try, you know, it's hard with the time difference because I'm falling asleep and he's like, yeah, it's my evening. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to go to sleep. The, uh, the, let's be clear. As Madam uh, VP says, um, her evening is 8 PM Eastern time. She's a, she's like falling asleep right then. Now to give her credit, she is a teacher. So teachers tend to, about around eight to nine o'clock every night. Yeah, babe, I'd be tired. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think since the end of August, when we, you know, met in person for the first time and kind of, you know, decided to make this like an official thing, um, this will be our fifth 
time seeing each other. So we are trying to like keep it to like every six to eight weeks. One of us is traveling the other way. Um, yeah. lot, lot of miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This would be a great trip. So I want to I want to touch really quickly um, on you know we're this is the Christmas episode. Um, weirdly enough, uh, and it's, it's not Christmas themed. Uh, I thought about that too late. Um, but I wanted, we're, we're, we're headed quite rapidly into, um, 2022. Uh, let's, let's talk about the midterms. What are we, what are we watching? Well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, you know, it's very overwhelming because there is just a lot going on. Um, and I know we kind of had made a pact that we were going to leave the, the politics until after, but hello, we're, we're, we're on a podcast and we're going to talk politics right That's now. Right. Um, honestly, I am looking at the Senate. The Senate is what's giving me the most anxiety. It's just keeping the seats that we need to keep and trying to get a, gain a couple. It's, you know, I don't want to get into the doom and gloom, but it's, it's getting, it's giving me anxiety a little, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm really hoping Val Demings can pull out a win in Florida. I, I know Florida's a long shot. My mom and brother live there. <laughs> so I <always laughs> kind of hope just their two votes are going to make the <laughs> make the difference, yeah. you know. But we've got to start pouring money into some, you know, races. We really do. And we have to be really strategic about it. Because we don't want to put all our money in a, in a race that, you know, practically is unwinnable. Because I feel like, we've made that mistake before. When I say we, I'm talking about Democrats in general. Um, We can't go by the media and what they're telling us is like, this is the hot new race. Like we gotta be practical. We gotta be pragmatic. We have to really look like, where are we gonna get the biggest bang for our buck? And and put our money that way. Instead of just throwing it at like Amy McGrath, knowing that it's gonna be like a losing campaign. I'm just saying. No shade to her or anything, but we saw the writing on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that that is that is the race from last year that illustrates your point the most. Um, because I think she like after the election still had like fifteen or sixteen million dollars cash on hand. And it's like, well that's shit. Longer. And well, you know, I'm going. No, no, no. You go ahead. Um, you know, I, I think I made a tweet this a couple of days ago. The, the, the party fighting on two fronts, or three fronts actually, because you're fighting the Republican disinformation machine, right? And then you're fighting the far left, not progressives, left, but far left um, disinformation machine. They'll force you, as, as people call it. Um, and then the mouthpieces of both would be um, a significant portion of the, the Beltway media. Um, and then you fight just the internal dynamics, Dems, um, 
voters buying into and agreeing with some of the dis, the dis and misinformation and then that pushing down voter turnout. And then you have the cloud that hangs over all that is those Senate races, those House races, all the way down to school boards where you have the cloud that is the former guy, um, people trying to appeal to him to drum up, to drum up voting and to drum up um, um, turnout. And so the party is fighting against, and that's a lot of headwind. That's a lot of headwind. And then we have the fully expected reoccurrence of the growth of the, the latest iteration of COVID, you know, fully expected. Um, so you put all those things, you know, in, in, in the wash together, uh, it could seem as though the Dems have, uh, there's a lot of landmines, and it could have seemed like those headwinds would stop the party from getting what it needs to get um, to continue the Biden-Harris agenda to really uh, transform a, a lot of part, a lot, a lot of government programs and so forth. But you know what? I, I think they can I think they can pull it off. Now there may be some a historical wishing on my part because midterms for for accomplished first term democratic presidents. No matter how successful they are, midterms can turn into a disaster because of those things. Not always the former guy, but just the messaging around every success for a democratic president in the first uh, uh, two years of, of his um, administration is turned into by the GOP media machine and the Bellway media. Why didn't you do more? Right? It's always why didn't you do more? So trying to counterman that, the, those messages and, and, and counter-program those and get turnout um, is a difficult ask. And I didn't even mention the last three or four years of heavy voter suppression acts. So that's a lot to overcome. And, you know, I think the only way, and everyone says this online and you see it in the party messaging and everything, the only way to defeat all that is just to get out and vote. <laughs> you know, it's a simple pr prescription, but it's a hard, it's a hard ask. And, um, um, as Elian said, you know, I, I took it there too often. I'm still reading the political landscape. I think they can get it done, uh, but it's going to—it's a hard ask. And I, I don't know. I feel like part of it, a part that we're missing, is especially in the last few election cycles, it's you know us as Democrats trying to save the freaking country from the brink of like complete disaster and it gets exhausting right so once you 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 put all your energy into a presidential election let's say by the time that the midterms come around you're you're tired right and like a bit of voter apathy kind of sets in where people are like it's gonna be fine we're gonna keep our majority like I don't have to have that much urgency and then we see happen like what we've seen happening to many democratic presidents because the thing is it's like every democratic president coming in is trying to save the country from what the last republican douchebag 
has done, right? And so we're putting so much energy into that, that we kind of, then we put everything on them. Well, why didn't you magically fix everything in the first few months of your presidency? Why is it, it's year two almost. And why isn't everything magically fixed? Well, because we keep getting into this cycle where we reach this voter apathy in the in-between and then we end up with another freaking Republican majority Congress. And then with like, got to start this shit all over again, you know? Yeah. And it I gets tired. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think you brought up another good point about uh, the party not wasting money on unwinnable candidates, right? If you're, you're in a red, you're in a red, you know, plus 40, why, why should we pour, you know, $30 million into you? You're, you're not going to win. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. That doesn't mean you shouldn't get your name out there and, and, and set up something for the future. And maybe, you know, hell freeze over and you will win, you know, the Republican plus 20 plus 30. But we are in California. I'm not, I don't want to send money to another Amy McGrath who stood absolutely no chance. Right. No chance. So so I guess I would add, and you said this, I'm going to add on or tie into what you said strategically placing our money and our efforts from a national party perspective around the winnable and the close races. Right? So we gotta we gotta hold the, the seats we have and there are there are flippable Senate seats, including some dim Senate seats. We gotta hold ours and the ones that are flippable, we gotta get those. And so the net net, the Dems just need to come out ahead. And ahead may just be plus one. Ahead, you know, I think CNN used to add an article the last couple of days that there were 10 flippable Senate seats between Dems and Republicans. We just need to get six of those. That's right, right? Just six. You know, or if it's five, we just need to get three. Just whatever the number is, just come out one ahead. So so um, so setting the expectations that we're not gonna win every race, but we're gonna come out ahead and I think I think the national party uh, and I think they're focused. I mean, Jamie's doing a great job in uh, communicating and fighting back against the misinformation and disinformation. Sometimes it's a little slow for me, but I think that is also a product of being respectful to the administration and their communication teams. Um, but at this point, don't wait. You know, don't react, act. Because um, we've seen the, the White House and the vice president's uh, staff sometimes are slow in their responses to the attack that, that happened, you know, in the 24-hour news cycle. So through DNC, winnable races, get what we can, hold our position on the ones that are at risk and flip one or two key seats, and I think we'll be good. So I want to ask, um, in regards to those particular races that we know are unwinnable, which ones are active right now? Who's who's out there running a race they can't win? Well, maybe um, what's that guy up in Wisconsin name? Uh, Ron Johnson. Maybe that guy. He's an it's, idiot, oh, but that doesn't really. Matter. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm dead. I'm like that's what we have to hold. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 no. Um, I don't want to call the Florida race on but, it, but yeah, it is yeah. a tough get. It's a it tough is get. 
Yeah, Florida is such a weird state. That's it's one of those. I don't know. I feel like it's unwinnable for anyone except Val Demings. I think she's our best shot at actually doing this. And that's why I'm like, you know what? I I'm keeping my eye out on that race and that race might get some of my money. Um, even though it is Florida and it's a little, you know, it's Florida, but. What about, I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, no. she has a, she has a shot, right? She they're, has a they're, shot. They're pulling, she does. She does. pulling very closely, but Florida is a, is a shit shot. I mean, we know that. Right. Um, but what about, uh, uh Pennsylvania? Cause the guy, was it Pat Toomey is retiring? Right. So that Biden, Biden, Biden won Pennsylvania. I mean, there's an. I mean, it's an opportunity. I right. So, speaking of Pennsylvania, this um, <laughs> this is a very contentious race in our corner of Twitter. Um, what do we? Th- I mean, do do either of you have a preference of? Malcolm Kenyatta versus Connor Lamb. Oh, that is that, that's a that's a that's a big fight, huh? I mean that 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 fight hits a lot of the a lot of the uh, sore points within the Big Ten party, right? Because you have a black man, you have a white man, you have a, a gay man, and then you have the kook out there with the shotgun doing his <laughs> doing his thing, right? So so I am of the belief that either Connor or Malcolm can win, and I've been trying to stay quiet and, and, and listen to, as we say online a lot listen to the, the people who are closest who are there and and and, and follow and follow their lead but the people who are closest are going both ways <laughs> there's no consensus so I, I don't know I, I I'm happy with either one of those gentlemen um, as long as it's not the third guy um, but yeah I, I haven't I haven't pushed one way or another I'm, I'm just watching the local people, the people closer to that race, uh, speak up. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think <clears throat> that either Lamb or Kenyatta can can win. I am just worried that because of the two of them are so evenly, you know, yes. qualified, that it might split that primary up a little. I just really hope that it doesn't end up being Fetterman, because then we're going to have to be forced to support him, right? I mean, I'm not going to support the Republican candidate. And when it comes down to it, when it's election time, like I'm voting blue, down ticket. So I'm glad that I don't have to vote (laughs) in Pennsylvania. um, And I trust the voters in Pennsylvania to make that choice for themselves. But I really hope that it's not Fetterman. And I hope that the Lamb Kenyatta thing doesn't kind of split that primary up into a in, in into a way that Fetterman ends up like winning that primary. That that's, that's what I'm point. concerned about. But I think whoever wins from there, I think has a really good shot of, of winning. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna say if Fetterman, if Fetterman it comes out of it, um, uh, I'm gonna just let not let, but I'm just gonna just shut my mouth and you know, watch what the state, what the state does. I, I, I'm not going to verbally or I'm not going to support that guy ever. But what about, um, yeah, what about North Carolina? I mean, North Carolina, that guy, um, Richard Burr is retiring. 
and Sherry Beasley is, is right there. I, I, you know what? She has a great resume. Um, she she has a she has a chance, and her competition, unlike Pennsylvania, her competition dropped out and said, yeah. "You know what? If we're gonna win, we got to get together and put all our." Yep. And you know what? I, that, that's a winnable seat. I've been donating, so they text yeah. me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the BC campaign texts me all the time. I you know I try to donate money whenever I have a little bit of extra. But yeah, I've been donating to her and to and to Val Deming. So those are the two that so far have gotten my my money um but like we'll see like i said like once primary season is kind of over and then we know like okay who are the candidates really going to be then i'm going to get strategic about where my money is going to go yeah yeah for me right now um i'm my money is i'm i'm split between connor lamb and malcolm kenyatta i'm donating to both because like like y'all said I'm not a resident of Pennsylvania. I don't have to make that decision. Yeah. But, and then um, Reverend Sen- Senator Warnock also gets a donation from me. Val Demings, Sherry Beasley um, for right now. Speaking of Warnock, I'm hoping that even with all the voter suppression BS going on in Georgia, that with Stacey Abrams announcing her candidacy, that um, she's going to help drive voter turnout despite all the voter suppression things and he'll get swept up in that as well. But just like she did, you know, in 2020, right? right? right. And That's right. I, Hold that seat. We have to keep that seat. That's one that yeah. is like, we need to keep that. So now pivoting away from politics for a bit. Um, usually I wait until the end of the episode to ask if my guests have anything to plug or anything that the listeners should look out for. Um, But seeing as the man himself is here, I would like to talk about Myron's (laughs) short story release. Yes. Yes. Um, So yes, I I, I released a short story collection, seven stories. I worked them on the past couple of years and I, I've written novels and other books, but I never read, I've never written short stories for a collection. And so these are an eclectic mix. I like, I, I call I think on the book, I have uh, three stories on earth set on earth and three and four stories set in space. And I say they were eclectic because one is sort of Gothic horror. There's a couple of modern twilight zone type of stories set on earth. And then a couple of in space asked some big, big questions about um, God, faith, souls, what happens to our souls. Um, just a little, I think there's a little bit for everything. So they, they ask questions, a couple of answer questions. I even have a little satire. I think it's a final book. And it's sort of um, two that are already becoming favorites. The title of the collection is uh, We Couldn't Be Heroes. And that's also one of the titles of what I consider the main story of the collection. And then uh, the one satirical one that is really getting a lot of good uh, feedback on is the final story in the collection called um, An Evangelical Makes It to Heaven. <laughs> um, I would like to tell the, the listeners at home, um, I could not put it down. I was reading oh, it my God. at work, like nothing else mattered to me. But reading 
your short story collection. It, you know, and, and I said this on Twitter uh, not too long ago, um, I think when it was Thanksgiving and you posted uh, that gorgeous story about uh, your mom and the holidays, um, that there are, there, actually, there are three. There are three writers who have the ability to grab me by the emotions and shake the shit out of me. And like, you are, you are one of them, sorry. Like, just well done. My God, it is so well done. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I, I, I do. I, you know, um, I, lo- I love these stories. And my editor, I was working on two novels when I was writing these stories. And, and, and she's like, what are you doing? I go, well, I have these story ideas. I just want to write some short stories. And she goes, no, but you've already given me these two novels that you're working on. I go, yeah, but I have more. And she starts quoting the, you know, the, the Hamilton thing. You're right. Like, they're running out of time. I go, no, it's not that. I just have stories. And so, but I ask myself questions about, you know, the big questions in life and some smaller questions in life. And, you know, I like to share them. They're out on Kindle. The stories, I'm doing something I've never done before. Each story is $1.99. You can buy them separately for $1.99, or you can buy the entire collection. I think on Kindle, the entire collection, maybe $14, $15. But I also did it in paperback. It's a little expensive, I think, in paperback, at $23.99. And I know you're not supposed to say that. However, the reason it is a little more pricey is that I have seven color covers inside the book. You get to see the, you get to see all the covers and colors. So it is a little, um, for my books, a little more pricey, but I think they're worth it. It's so worth it. Absolutely. I think readers readers will enjoy um, traveling around the planet and traveling around um, the solar system and the broader universe with some of these stories. But what they're really doing is traveling around inside of Myron's mind, which is very extensive. I mean, he's talking about, he's, he's always got questions. Sometimes we will be talking about one thing and out of nowhere, he will just ask this like existential question. And I'm like, where did that come from? He's like, I don't know. Just popped into my head. I had to ask it. I'm like, what the, I mean, that's, <laughs> he literally does that all the time. So it, it's phenomenal. The, the story, we couldn't be heroes. I'm still kind of haunted by those characters. Like I think about now I've read, I had a chance to read that one story before it was published. And I was like, holy shit, babe, this is my favorite thing you've ever written. And I love everything he's written, but that story just like, it haunted me in a it's, good way. You know, it's not, it's not a horror story or anything, but it just left me, I, I wanted more. I needed to know what happened to them. It just, it was phenomenal thank you All right yeah and thank you you were you were um i think you may have been outside my head the first person to to read that story and um the special yeah <laughs> yes and you gave me that feedback and i, I was I, i'm gonna be honest i was really surprised because i um i don't know you hear people artists in a different way or writers you know say oh i didn't know i don't really know that story would resonate the way it did and you just never know and you know people like it and when we, when we were trying to decide, because actually I wrote 22 short stories. Um, 
and we were trying to decide which of the stories to put in the book. You know, that one made the cut. And then we were trying to decide what to title the, the whole collection. And my editor um, and Eliana as well were, were affirmative that there was no question if that was the signature story of, of the collection. And um, I do love, I love that story. I, I love, I actually I love all the stories. I think the longest of the collection, but I, I really had the, the most fun time playing with is uh, Message from God. I had a lot of fun. That's, it's a longer, it's sort of a long form short story, but I've been, that story's been, been flittering on the edges of my consciousness for maybe 15 years or so. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to capture the idea that I have in that story. So, um, but anyway, it's seven stories. Um, the opening story is, I think, is really powerful as well. Um, Victorian House of the Damned. Um, that's a little, that's what I call gothic. I don't know if it really fits gothic, but it's, it's, it, it's horror, but it's a different type of horror. So anyway, thanks for the chance to plug it. You know what? Um, see it on DearDean.com. See me, just look me up on, on Amazon, Myron Clifton, and the whole portfolio is there, seven or eight or, I don't know, 10 books now or whatever it is. Uh, but that's my short story collection. And if I may, I have a novel in the works as well that will be out um, It's probably February. So anyway, a lot happening. Thank you for that opportunity. And uh, I will include uh, the link to DearDeanPublishing.com where you can check out uh, Myron's blog posts as well as um, the link to his Amazon author page where I would highly recommend that if this podcast is reaching your ears, um, that you pause it momentarily and just go on ahead and purchase all of his works. Um, They're worth every penny. Um, Absolutely. But while we're talking about um, your, your, your writing, sir, um, is there uh, one of your works that you would ever like to see turned into a film or a television show? Ooh. You know, that's, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the one that I'm asked about the most uh, in that regard is, uh, which my first novel is BLMPD. Um, and it is a novel of revenge. Um, and very succinctly, it is um, a group of friends, women, decide uh, to avenge the death of their friend, uh, a, a, a young Black man who was killed by police. And they decide um, that they want revenge. And so we follow that. And that's on the back of the, of the book. That's the description of the back of the book. So that's not a spoiler or anything. Uh, and so we, we get to meet the women and um, follow them along their adventures. And so it is, um, it is fiction, but it, it also has uh, historical facts around uh, police shootings, about the memorial, Black people, and also it sets the scene, it sets that world, which is somewhat in the future, uh, about a, a very difficult government, um, a lot of race issues in the country and between the states, and um, attempts to disrupt elections and things. And what's interesting about it, you, you hear now, you go, oh, yeah, that's like right now. Yes, but I wrote this prior to the former guy being elected, and. It, it has a lot of great elements. And it asked, I asked a question to myself, and this is what spurred me to write it, and that is, who gets to be a hero in our action movies? And, for the mo- and who gets to be a vigilante? 
Who gets to, what heroes do we cheer, even when they kill cops, or when they kill FBI agents, or CIA agents, or Homeland Security, or military? You know, so Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Matt Damon, um, Bruce Willis, these, these men, generally speaking, these white male action heroes, they can kill with impunity. And they are still the heroes because usually they've been wronged in some kind of way. And they can kill all these government people. You, you rarely get to see in American media, um, black men or women, um, LGBTQI folk um, get to be the Avengers and be celebrated as the heroes, even towards the end. Sometimes you'll get some things, but they have to get their comeuppance at some point. And so, so I wanted to turn that on, on its head. I wanted to get women be the, be the protagonist and different type, types of women and just, you know, they're going to be the heroes and they're going to fight the system. And you know what? Maybe they're right to do so. And so that movie, um, and you see different movies out there where women are protagonists. But I think this movie, if there, if that, if any of my books can become a movie, it'll be that book because it is so uh, present and powerful. And I think it is also subversive um, in a lot of different ways and a lot of different characters. So it, that's what I'm asked about the most. And that's what I think it would be the, um, it would be a great Netflix series. <laughs> oh my God. It'd be, yeah. it'd be a great Netflix series. Yeah, it would. So let's say that Netflix approached you tomorrow and said, we want to make BLMPD. Who's your dream cast for that? Oh my God. Wow. Um, that, that, that's, a, that, that's a great, great question. So I'm going to go with like a couple of um, badasses out there right now. So um, I think Regina King, I mean, right? Who doesn't want Regina King? Uh, Regina King, uh, there's a character in the book who is KJ, I think. And she's very complex, maybe manipulative, um, keeps secrets, but has an end goal in mind. But she's the HBIC. Hello. <laughs> right, she is. I mean, she Come is. Everybody. I, mean, I, think, <laughs> I yes, love KJ. Yes. yes I, I would, yeah, she would. Yeah, Regina King. Um, and the, I don't know, you know. God, I, I never thought of a cast. Um, I got a couple of people that I know who would be a good, a good villain. I would love um, to see Zoe Kravitz in it. Oh, she would be yes. so good. Z- Z- Zoe Kravitz could be... Uh, she could be a mm, few of those characters, really. She could, I, was thinking, I, think, I was thinking she could be Beast, who goes by Jennifer in the book. But yeah. on the other hand, maybe she could be... She could be Mary character. I don't, she, I don't know if she's tall. Mary is described as being tall in the book. Zoe Krause, she would be good. <laughs> don't get any ideas, Myron. Zoe would be good. Oh, oh. You know what? Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll draw it up like who who, these, who, what, who could play these characters. That might be, that might be a fun. That would be fantastic. Because there's a lot. There's, I think there are five main uh, women in the book. 
I'll tell you. And then even short. the secondary characters, are, there's a lot of women. It's very it, women-centered. Yes. So there's a lot to, to go around. <laughs> yes, it is, it, is, it is definitely women-centered. Like all of it, the characters, their, their, their arcs, um, their interactions. And we have a lot in there, right? There's um, a version of the NAACP, a version of BLM, you know, a version of cowboys and QAnon before I even knew those names you know it's it's also in there um, historical landmarks we visit a lot of places a lot of traveling and um, there's some very descriptive um, violence right it's 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 violent in a lot in a lot of ways so yeah it'd be, it would be fun it'd be, it would be fun to see a movie so we have come to the point in the show where I take a deep dive into my inbox and pull out a listener letter. Uh, this week, the listener letter comes to us from Wesley in Manitoba, Canada. Hi, Wesley. Thank you for listening. Um, Hi, Wesley. Thank you also for writing in. Um, Wesley would like to know why American politics are so dramatic. I mean, listen, we are the country that gave the world Hollywood. That's a great point. Is there really a question why everything about us is dramatic? We love the drama. We love the drama. I mean, Wesley, really, it's just like, we all kind of feel like we're in an episode of like Scandal or Homeland or like the Americans. Like, yeah. It's just the media yeah. makes it so raw, and yeah. and we feed right into it. Yeah, I think I think to add on to that, uh, because um, our politics are we're we're a capitalist system, right? It's about money driven, and when you're talking, you know, tens, twenty, you know, millions up into the billions of the last presidential election, you're talking so much money. Um, you have to get attention above all the noise and in America, the way to get attention above all the noise is to spend money. And so in a way you want to spend your money in order to get attention, you have to be dramatic because nobody wants a boring Jeb Bush pleading with people to clap <laughs> at his terrible jokes, right? You got, you, you got to come correct because we have, we are saturated with media. Um, and in order to stand out, you have to, you have to spend money and that spending that money means you have to be out in front and be giving people stuff to latch onto, and people latch onto drama. You know, like the old news thing was, you know, don't give me a story about a dog bites man. Tell me what man bites dog. Like that's the headline, right? So we go for drama and nonsense, and like the answer, we gave the world Hollywood, and you know, good or bad, we have short attention spans. That's why they call it the twenty-four hour news cycle. But we know. It's not even 24 hours. It's, it's a few hours here or there that maybe you can stay in the news. I mean, we're so media driven. I mean, I, I, I look at it as we're a sitcom on TV, right? Like we're a series and we're kind of in the middle, right? <laughs> of like the span of that series. Oh God, that sounded a little macabre, but I didn't know <laughs> But you know what, I'll give, I'll give them one more answer since they're in Canada. Ellie and I were just talking about this, and that is, in America, everything is hyperbole and overwrought, right? It's just all big. And I, get, I was telling her this weird example I thought of the other day, even in sports, like we call our 
World Series. The World Series, even though it's just you know our, our three little states teams, even our and our Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. But compared to Canada, their football championship is very Canadian and it's called the Great Cup. <laughs> Our, no, ours is a super bowl big because we don't want to lose our ratings okay right. like i'm gonna keep on with this metaphor that uh, you know what do they call it the great experiment right isn't america like this experiment right and so we have to keep showing the world it's working it's working but we also don't want you to get bored we want you to keep watching so you know we're gonna give you cliffhangers and then you're gonna come back for the next episode you know what I mean? Like that is how America does shit. It is so uniquely American to want to be entertained by everything, right? Yeah. I, I tell my students this all the time. Like I am, my job is not to entertain you, okay? I am here to teach you something. And they're like, well, what do you mean? This is boring. This is, I need, it's like every lesson needs to have like a choreographed dance to go along with it. Like I need to make a TikTok video to teach like how to do long division. You know what I mean? Like that's so American. That's awesome. Yeah, we 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 get in the. Um, I have an uncle who taught, who lived and taught in New Zealand for eleven years, and they have something called the tall poppy syndrome. And he was studying so, sociologists, and it was, don't try to stand out from all the other poppies. Don't be a tall poppy. In other words, whereas in America, we get in the camera, put our finger up to the camera, say we're number one. Right. It's us, the world's greatest deliberative body. Like Ellie was saying, the World Series, you know, that we're this, we're that. And other countries are like, just chill. You guys are, you guys are too loud. Just Yeah, they're like, you're too loud, plus you just got here. Like, who are you? You just got here, sit down somewhere and stop making all that noise, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the great cup. Just the great cup. I love that. It's just a great cup. Ours is a Super Bowl. <laughs> if if America was a television show, 2020 was definitely the last season of Game of Thrones. Because just fucking everything happened. Everything was on fire. You know. Just, yeah, the producer said, what else can we throw in here? Right. We, world is on fire we've got like killer bees or whatever the hell it was we've got a pandemic and every crazy storms natural disasters like what the fuck else could happen oh my god i shouldn't have asked that because now, <laughs> knock on wood yeah. well as long as we're not like the uh what was the, the final episode of mash uh was called goodbye so long and farewell or something like that like that, that, that's like an america's swan song right there like, you know hey it was a good ride we had a good time and we messed it up see y'all later <laughs> so we are now in um the patreon portion of the show um for anyone who's new to this part of the show um this is why it feels a bit moneyed. It feels a little expensive now. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> what's going to happen now is uh, we're going to play the random question game. And then after that, Elian and Myron are each going to tell us a secret. Ooh, I love it. Okay. Ooh. So... 
question one in the random question game. What was your first ever job? Okay, for me, uh, McDonald's. <laughs> I awesome. got a job at McDonald's when I was first eligible for my working papers in New York at 15 years old. So that's really awesome. My first job was uh, in the city of Oakland. They used to have a, a youth summer job program. Um, and my first job was working with the city of Oakland on a crew that was that was sweeping up streets. I was a street sweeper for a summer. Making four twenty-five an hour. That that sounds so like old timey, like like chimney sweep. I mean, like, I'm a street sweeper. Yeah, yeah. I had the orange, the orange vest, orange vest, the hard hat, like the whole thing. It was incredible. I love it. What is your guilty pleasure? And you can't say each other. <laughs> well, no, because I don't feel guilty about that. I will like. Get on my highest rooftop and shout it out and be like, my, my man and I loves him. And what? And that wouldn't be a guilty pleasure at all. Um, I guess I, I do like my wine. I like my Malbec, you know. Um, I like to come home after work and just pour a glass. And Myron claims that he can tell when I'm drinking wine. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure he can. Pretty instantly, sure. But I know instantly. It's all good. My, I, mine would be an old-fashioned chocolate donut. Ooh. That's, a, that's, a good, that's a good donut. Because it's perfectly made to just break off in pieces. And with a good hot cup of coffee, is perfection. I like that. If aliens landed on Earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them, would you go? Um, if I could bring Myron and every single person that he cares about with me, otherwise it's a no go. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, that that that's my thing. I, I need I would need people. I need other people to come with me. Um, but if I could, you know, if I could have some guarantees, you know, or ability to ask questions. So where are we going? When will we return? If will we return? And if we return, when? And then what are any inherent dangers um, for traveling? Then I would be like, what kind of food y'all got? Like, what's, (laughs) you know, like, right. Don't give me any slop. Give me any Klingon worms. Like, I want real. (laughs) Aaron wants a steak. A steak dinner. Right. Yeah. I thought of that that question a lot. Anyway, but yeah. Just uh, for everybody who is listening to this on Patreon, uh, after I asked that question, they both sat back in their chairs for a second. It was absolutely hilarious to watch. (laughs) If you could commit any crime and get away with it, what crime would you choose? Oh my gosh. I, I, I mean... I joke around sometimes and I talk about like stabbing people, but I actually would not want to commit any violent crime. Um, You know, I would love to be able to go into museums, right? And steal back like artifacts that they freaking stole from different cultures and just fucking put it back. 
I love that. If I, if I couldn't get it, you know, if I was not going to get in trouble, that's what I'd do. I would just go into every single museum that has stolen shit in there and I would steal it back. So all museums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of them. All of them. I'm going to do a heist. Yes, I like the heist. Wait, 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 no, no, Greg, say that question again. If you could commit any crime and get away with it, what would you pick? I would uh, I would eliminate everybody's student debt. It was too simple. <laughs> 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 you better stop it. You better stop it, Myron. <laughs> Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, really going about this too, that. Um, if I could commit a crime, yeah, I'm like Elliot. It won't be, it wouldn't be violent. It would be a crime of, uh, it would be a crime of capitalism, but it wouldn't be a crime in the scale of, in the scope of humanity. So it would be something like that. I would eliminate all debt worldwide. Yeah, something like that. So he's going to try to hack into it like KJ. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Yes. yes. Placement. I, I I just I want to do like a a full on like Ocean's Eleven type heist, no. but like okay. multi layered, just you know, and just cool like you know Brad Pitt eating through the whole movie type thing. Like, uh, it's so awesome. Yeah, multi layered. That's the thing. I'm thinking of it as a writer. Like, how do you write all those? Yeah, into something like that. It's yeah, twists, yeah, multiple interconnected plots. Uh, it's fantastic. Whitney or Mariah? Did you see the gasp that I I said? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So I don't ever right, put I don't what? ever put these videos out, but. For that gasp, I may have to just clip that one to, part of the video know? to share with everybody. That is awesome. <laughs> that's that's cold-blooded. However, I do have an answer to that question. Like, I know that Mariah can hit every note on a piano. I get it. Her voice is unbelievable. But it's fucking Whitney Houston. I'm sorry. Whitney wins every damn time. Every damn time i'm sorry geechee this is not mariah hey please, please don't cancel me, okay i love mariah but if it's be between the two of them I i'm going whitney i'm recording with him tomorrow night he's doing uh he's doing mixed let him know. Let him know. Night. yeah i think i think i'm gonna go with with uh, whitney and i wouldn't say um the body of work um is equal but i would say that whitney has um I personally think uh, her her singing was uh, more. She had more soul in her singing, and probably from her her uh, church upbringing, that she she could deliver more powerful soul and emotion in her singing. Uh, whereas Mariah may have an overall stronger um, voice range, I would say. Yeah, not, not just, I'm more powerful, just a range. Right, but the thing is, I mean, I love that you said she was Whitney was raised by the church, and that's why her voice just like emotes, right? So much emotion, and and just and Mariah Carey was raised by an opera singer. Yeah, that's why she knows how to hit those notes. You know, very different types of singing. They're both phenomenal. I'm not taking anything away from Mariah at all. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think it. You know, I mean, for me anyway. Um, 
we are continually memorializing Whitney because you know nobody wanted to lose her, you know, so young. So there's certain there's a certain iconic thing about about Whitney, and I think you mentioned it. I don't know if it was a podcast with us, Greg, or one of the other podcasts. Um, you know, her body work is just phenomenal, but I heard the the soundtrack um, for the Bodyguard. It just and there's no better soundtrack, you know, to me, in, in American in American movies. Like that's yeah. it right there. Yeah. So if if anyone has listened to uh, my other show, Your Life's a Mixtape, uh, there is a question where I ask, um, what is the greatest song from a film soundtrack? And um, every guest has said some song um, from The Bodyguard. Uh, and while I respect their answers, um, the only correct answer to that is the Sister Act 2 version of His Eyes on the Sparrow. And I will, I will die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I loved that. I loved that. But, but Whitney. Yeah. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of Whitney, I was, I was talking to Brandon earlier uh, because he posted a Whitney video in his Instagram story. And we were talking how she was the only singer who could take a pop song and make it feel like an old school gospel record. Oh yeah. And I think Myron touched on that when he was talking about. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So if you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Ooh. Uh, I mean, you know, what's funny The the one trend that if you would ask me maybe like five years ago that I, that I would say that I wanted it to come back did, which was crop tops. Like I'm a crop top, like queen. I I love crop tops. And that was so, you know, nineties style. And I was waiting all these years. I'm like, I know they're going to come back someday. I know they are. And I'm so glad they're here, but Hmm. Hmm. One that hasn't already come back. I don't know. Like you know what? Can we bring back like fifties glamour? Oh yes, please! I want to wear long gloves with an everyday outfit. Okay. Yeah, baby, get the gloves out. <laughs> um, I, 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 I think I, I think I, I'm sorry, Greg. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Please continue. I think I like to bring back this style. Um, I don't know much about. Many of the European nations, you know, they're they're I don't know much about Europe at all, but uh, you know, I think it's in the um, it's in England. They have a you know their court system. I don't know what it's called, but they wear those giant wigs. <laughs> oh, the barristers, yeah. Yes, you know what? I don't want to be walking around here like like we're in Bridgerton or something. That's what he said. Yes. Some giant, <laughs> some giant blonde wig with those little high heels, like the Three Musketeers. I'm, mean, I, I I'm mixing up all these countries, but you know, some stuff like that, like just completely outlandish. Um, actually, I guess Prince was doing it himself a little bit. You know, the purple one from he was sort of like that, right? Yeah, Prince. Prince would never wear a kitten heel though. Yeah. Like he did. Hell no. Like, it'd been a cold day in hell before you caught Prince in a kitten heel now. Nope. Oh, my God. Are you a morning person or a night owl? 
morning person. Did you say you're a morning person? I'm a morning person. Um, he is just not too early. <laughs> he's not. He's not asking you about me. He's asking me about you. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. Um, you know what? Honestly, I have this really annoying ability. No matter what time of the day it is, I literally sound like this. Like I could just wake up, and I'm like, oh my god. And Myron sometimes is like, shh, 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 shh. Like you're doing too much. It's like six in the morning, right? But I'm like this also at six in the evening. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm a morning or night person. If I'm working, I'm asleep by by eight o'clock. So it doesn't even count. I would say you're more of a you're more of a morning person than you. I mean, as I said earlier, you're a teacher, you know, 8 39 o'clock, you're done. <laughs> it's true, but catch me from catch me from July to September though. <laughs> in the morning. Mm-hmm. What is a film that most people hated, but that you love? Okay. Um, this is really weird space movie. Mission to Mars. And it has Don Cheeto. I know that Tim film. Rob- yeah, Tim Robbins and Gary Sinise. And it's sort of cheesy, like it's really cheesy. And the music is the the theme, the theme music or the soundtrack is really overwrought. It's just like goofy. Uh, but every time it's on TNT, I watch this movie. Like it's just, it's not very good, but it is really interesting how they portray this mission to Mars and everything. So I, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Um, for me, I think. Now, this movie is very controversial in the Jane Austen fandom, okay? But I kind of enjoyed the Kira Knightley adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. I did. I really liked it. Thank God this is on Patreon because they would string you up for that. Ah! <laughs> I know. Listen, I know this is super controversial. Now, if I had to pick... Between adaptations of Pride and Prejudice, that wouldn't be my favorite one. But that is a movie, standalone movie that I know a lot of people really hated, that I actually love. I, You know what it is about that movie? I am obsessed with the soundtrack. There's not one lyric in any song, but that song has, uh, that movie has beautiful music in it. And I'm obsessed with it. Now, I think the rest of it, like the way the characters were portrayed and everything. No, it was not a great Jane Austen adaptation, but I enjoyed it as a movie standalone. Gotcha. Okay. Please don't come kill me, guys. Please, <laughs> please leave my mentions be. Um, in, in your defense, I will say that um, I really liked Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. So. Okay. <laughs> All right, now, mind you, I don't know. The listeners can't see this, right? (laughs) Behind me is my home library. And I have a shelf entirely dedicated to Jane Austen. I am a huge Jane Austen fan. She is by far and away my favorite author. I don't care, I'll admit it. And no, that wasn't a great adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, okay? I like the Colin Firth version, Colin Firth. Yeah. Colin Firth, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman. Mm, Ever. Yeah. 
Alan Rickman. Oh, Snape. What is the film that you could watch over and over again and never get sick of? Um, for me, it's um, one is cheesy. I could watch the original Independent Independence Day, the Will Smith, um, excellent Jeff film, Goldblum, yeah, version. And um, yeah, I, I quote, "What's his name? The, the president." <laughs> I did well. I belong in the air. As we are just, 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 just <laughs> beyond cheesy, I love it. But oh, then one that, hey. right, right, one that is better has its problems, but it's still better. I, I, I love the original Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings series. It's a great series for all its issues, and there are some issues. It's still a great movie making. Um, for me, it's a tie between one movie and a series. So. Mean Girls, I can watch over and over. And I have over and over and over and over and over. I know like most of the lines, like by heart. And also any freaking Harry Potter movie that comes on on TV, I never change the channel. I don't change the channel. It, it, and, and they do a marathon like every weekend, you realize, you know, it's either That's a TNT or CBS or like the sci-fi channel. Reform. Something, you know, and I cannot help myself. Every time one of those darn movies is on the TV, I just let it sit. And, and, and it sucks because, you know, that bitch is so problematic. I can't even fuck with her. But yeah. damn, that's a good series. <laughs> that bitch. It is good, yeah. J.K. Rowling, that's who I'm talking about. For, for yeah, those yeah, yeah. who <laughs> that bitch yeah. refers to, I'm talking about that bitch, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. yeah, she's a disgrace. Yeah. If you were a superhero, who would be your sidekick? And you can't say each other. Um, <laughs> I think if I were... I think I would like to have. Uh, I think someone I could fight. Um, <laughs> I need somebody mean and honorary, like a good cop. Because like, I want to be the good cop, and I, I need like a really mean, honorary person. Like, well, not really honorary. I'm somebody tell like maybe Queen Latifah. He doesn't mean mean because now you're going to say somebody's <laughs> name, and they're like, "You think I'm mean? Damn, Myron." Buff. No. But I'm thinking like I'm thinking TV characters, maybe like Queen Latifah, because she's so versatile. Like she could do so much. So I'm gonna take somebody like Queen Latifah. But if I didn't take Queen Latifah, maybe I needed somebody like that could distract in other ways. So maybe Gal Gadot. Of course, Byron's gonna say Gal Gadot. First of all, I think Greg might have been asking about a real life person. So that's the way I took the question. That's why he said we can't take each other. I'm just saying, of course, Gal Gadot. He loves her, Lord. Um, He's Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, I would have to pick my sister, Cassandra, and my best friend, Vanessa. We'd be like a trio. We'd be like the unholy trinity, and we will fuck shit up together. I like that. But I don't want to say they're sidekicks, though, because they, they we'd be like just a, like a team. Those are those are both very good answers. Star Wars or Star Trek? I'm a Star Trek guy. I'm a Star Wars girl. 
A house divided, friends. A house, house divided. divided. Gonna be some serious discussions. <laughs> what is your favorite Christmas song? I mean, I'm not keen called the, the Christmas song. <laughs> Chestnuts roasting. He's just, I love that song. I love his voice. I love that song. For me, it's La Fiesta de Pilito by El Gran Combo. That was on my mixtape, by the way. Um, yeah, that's just like the Puerto Rican Christmas song. You just, you listen to that from Thanksgiving to Three Kings Day <laughs> on loop. It's it's a fantastic song. Um, I, I have listened to your mixtape quite a few times since you uh, yeah. sent the playlist. Love it. I know I sent I sent Greg a DM and I was like I made you a playlist damn it. <laughs> and if you listen to the episode that is a reference to something that uh, we talked about. Um, so yeah. definitely check out Elian's episode of Your Life the Next Day because it is fantastic. <laughs> if you had an extra twenty dollars to spend on yourself and you had to spend it on yourself, but you could not buy food, what would you buy? Food, taking food up there. That, that, that makes it. Uh, I think I would buy. You know, with the with the with the COVID thing spreading again, maybe maybe a good roll of toilet paper again. <laughs> ah, twenty dollars for one roll. Dang, mm. patients like that. <laughs> um, I I would buy a book. If I had to spend it and like you have to spend, I said, oh, don't mind if I do. I don't go buy a new. <laughs> Who is a celebrity that you would bring to a wedding as your date? Myron, do we really need to guess? <laughs> the, uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with a peer of mine. I used to be, she used to be older than me, but now I think I'm older than her, but it'd be Miss Halle Berry. Let's start there. And let's stop there. <laughs> you know. that's, that's fair. That's fair. Did you see the video she posted on Twitter of her, uh, the Cleopatra photo shoot? Of course you did. Um, I don't know why I asked. Of course. <laughs> what celebrity that I can go on a date with? To a wedding. To a wedding. Oh, so, you know, I want to go with somebody who's a good dancer. Hmm. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to take Neo with me to the wedding. Okay. Because we're going to have fun. We're going to dance. We're going to dance. And then his songs are going to play and everybody's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And last one, if you had to delete all but three apps from your phone and the ones that came like preloaded get to stay, this is anything that you've downloaded. Which three do you keep? <laughs> I'm keeping Twitter. Um, oof. You know, I'm okay. This is going to sound really corny, but I'm keeping my Bitmoji app because I use it a lot for my teaching. Ooh. I have to keep that. Um, and I would keep my Spotify. 
Excellent choices. Okay, so yeah, so let me see. I would, so the first two are good. Yeah, Twitter. I can I can do without the emoji. Um, <laughs> I think I would keep. Uh, God, I don't even know what apps to use. Oh, you know what? I have the, I have the Scrabble app. I love. I play Scrabble. I just play with myself. Like I play all four positions. I name them all my different names. Name my daughter because I always win. Um, and then maybe I would keep. Uh, my banking app. I mean, it's pretty boring. I just love banking app. Oh my gosh! You're so. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping my Bitmoji. Myron's like, "What about your Chase app?" Hello. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I need to download Scrabble so Myron has somebody to play with. That's I like know, real. baby love. You can't ask me to play. Hello, I love words. Right, oh like, God. like I'll play Scrabble with you, sir. Like that's not a big deal. <laughs> so now, Elian and Myron, tell us a secret. A secret that like not even he knows. It's no, hard. I mean just just oh, a just secret. Any secret. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to confess. I've been holding this in for a really long time because I'm really nervous about and and I'm not even being sarcastic. I'm honestly nervous <laughs> about what people are going to say. But I hate cheese i fucking hate cheese um, i hate cheese i'm sorry it's I like hate- i don't know you i know i know i'm sorry i like cheese is good <laughs> that's my secret cheese is good you know what? okay i have a business secret so i used to work for this major american corporation that was probably at the time my lab was probably at top like a fortune five or six, like gigantic company. And I was just, you know, it's a peon middle manager. And it was right around the time I, um, uh, my daughter was born. And my then boss was one of those jerk bosses that said, hey, it's annual review time. Write your review, right? And then I'll go over with you and sign it. But you do all the work. So I was like, son of a, so I said, okay. So I think my daughter is maybe one or two years old, something like that. I wrote the entire review, um, like eight different categories. It was all about me celebrating my daughter being born. The whole thing. The whole thing. It was just this wonderful little tribute and everything. Because I knew in my I knew he would never read that. I knew he never, and I was just testing my little crazy theory. So I submitted it and because he, he was always traveling around and scheduled and canceled a few meetings with us, with me. And finally, he just said, hey, I got approved your review, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it just, it just went through the system. So in the bowels of this major corporation is an annual performance view written by me. And it's just about my daughter. <laughs> I love it. What a beautiful treat. so cool. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew no one would ever read it. Him, HR, it just... And I learned that. And I'll share this with your listeners. Performance reviews are a joke. Don't 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 sweat. <laughs> That's when when your daughter gets married. Like I I sincerely hope that you tell that story at the reception because that's that's that is another gorgeous story, sir. 
Yeah, it was storytelling. Yeah, there you go. So that's the end of the show, friends. Um, you know, as as always, um, I know I know we've talked about your uh, your short story collection, but if you would like to plug it again um, and you know drop your drop your socials, you are more than welcome to do that at this time. Thank you. I'm at LMG, Let me go first. I appreciate it. I'm at Deardine Twenty Two on Twitter. I think Deardine Publishing on Insta, and I have a, a new short story collection called seven stories we couldn't be heroes it was available on kindle and as individual stories or, or, or the collection and the collection as a whole is also available on, on paper on paperback both around Amazon. Right. you can follow me on twitter at miss angry flower to see me well, talking shit about politics and posting pictures of my pets and my classroom and my outfits and just all around getting into some trouble out there, being an angry flower. <laughs> um, again, thank you both um, so much for being here today. Um, as I said at the beginning of the episode, um, Elian will be on uh, Thursdays end of the year this is not an endorsement special uh the people who ruled in 2021 um i am very excited about that episode uh there are some really great people on um there's a few surprises that we have in the works um and uh the people that have been selected as our first the people that ruled in 2021 are really cool so uh be on the lookout for that wherever you get your podcasts um thank you everyone for listening um from all all of well all of me here at don't make this weird uh you know whatever you whatever you celebrate this week i hope it's i hope it's a good one um so yeah happy holidays Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Spend time with your loved ones. Thank you, Greg, for having us. And babe, I will see you in a few days. (laughs) Thank you, beautiful. And Elian, thank you too. (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you didn't enjoy this episode, why the fuck are you even still here? If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at don'tmakethisweirdpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at sb83productions, on Instagram at springbreak83productions. Don't Make This Weird is a Spring Break 83 production.